Welcome to the Essay for FAs Asset Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and our topic today is low vol stocks, whose 18 to 20% returns have trounced the S&P 500's 6% returns so far this year, but more importantly, appear to maintain a persistent advantage over other strategies going back decades. Last Wednesday, I posted a podcast on why I don't like momentum investing. I noted that despite numerous studies showing that momentum generates persistent excess returns, I view the strategy as a sort of get-rich-quick scheme that looks good on paper, but which flesh-and-blood investors won't stick with over time. Today, I want to talk about what may be an opposite strategy, one that also produces persistent excess returns, but one that investors can use to get rich quick slowly, which doesn't require obsessive attention to markets and which people could more easily stick with. I speak of low volatility stocks. Indexes incorporating low vol stocks begin their construction with stocks, say in the S&P 500 universe, that possess the lowest trailing one-year volatility amongst other factors to derive a stable set of securities. For example, the largest low vol fund, the iShares MSCI USA Minimum Volatility ETF, ticker USMV, has as its five largest holdings, Newmont Gold Corp, Waste Management, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and Visa. Does it get any duller than that? One click on Seeking Alpha reveals the top holdings of the second largest low vol fund, SPLV, as almost as boring. Indeed, in an article on Seeking Alpha yesterday, Plutos notes that low vol stocks' best relative returns have happened during downturns like the years of 2000 to 2002 and 2008 to 2009, while the worst relative returns happened during the build-up to cycle peaks like the late 1990s and in 2007. And therein may lie the key to low vol funds' outperformance. Think about it. Who cared about McDonald's during the dot-com era when a stock like Books a Million shot up from $3 to $38 in just a couple of days, then again to $47 a couple of days later on the then-exciting news that the company updated its website? Can you imagine all the money you'd have made? But folks, a couple of years later, that stock returned to $3 a share. This, to me, epitomizes the pitfalls of momentum investing. But for those investors who can handle their stocks merely doing okay when others are shooting to the moon and even feel gratitude for their relative outperformance when erstwhile popular stocks are cratering, could do quite well with a low vol strategy. You see, there are basically two kinds of investors, those who harvest alpha and those who fund it. If you're the type of person who buys a stock because it's exciting, you're likely to be one who sells it because it's disappointing and hence a funder of alpha for those whose passions are not inflamed by market volatility. Academic finance has not arrived at a cogent explanation of the low vol anomalies' excess returns, which is why we have stressed the behavioral economic notion that people want exciting rather than boring stocks. Were we to assume that people made their decisions rationally, investors would eliminate the strategy's outperformance by scooping up shares. As a journalist, I can confirm the behavioralist approach by noting that the media, which filters investment information for people, is generally more interested in high vol versus low vol stocks. You'll see a lot more investment stories today on LTech, which has risen 327% since its earnings release two weeks ago, or on At Home Group, which has fallen dramatically since its earnings release last week, than you will on humdrum stocks that are just chugging along. 
They say there's no such thing as a free lunch in economics, but media-addled investors may well be funding a banquet for harvesters of the low-vol strategy. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please leave a review on Apple or Google Podcasts so that others can discover this series. Meanwhile, you can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have feedback or requests, and make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts.